Okay, so what I want to know um, from you both is, are you enjoying baseball? I, I don't even know, Samuel, if you're watching much um, Major League Baseball, but like, are you are you both enjoying it this year? Is your is your experience as a kind of observer slash fan this year different than it has been than it was last year and so, it was in 2020? Samuel, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, short answer, no, I'm not really enjoying it. Um, the, and the reason why is partially just because, and we talked about this a little bit on shows leading up to the season, the lockout did kind of numb my motivation for this season a little bit just because of the way everything went. Like It did kind of cast a bit of a dark cloud over how I feel about things. If a baseball game is on, I I can watch it. Like I don't I I like the sport still. I found myself watching more college baseball than anything else this year. Like with mm-hmm. the regionals happening right now and there's the super regionals have started. Like I enjoyed that. I thought that was really fun, but and part of it's my own situation just the team that I have to watch the most often started out so terrible. They were <laughs> so bad to start the season. But they spent and, so much money. How could they be bad? I know this goes directly against my ethos of every team should spend all the monies and be good because they spend monies. So it, it's actually kind of an insult to me personally, but it, it just, it's hard to really get over how long the off season was, how just bitter the season, the off season fight was. And part of it is too, I think baseball is still running into a lot of the same rakes that it did. It's very much sideshow bobbing itself with a field of rakes. We got even the story today about Jazz Chisholm that and about what happened there, uh, where they had a team meeting off. about him. Yeah, it drove me fucking crazy because he's the he's literally the best player on the team at this point, at the very least, the best hitter. Like by uh, war, he is the best hitter. By weighted runs created plus, he's the second best. Garrett Cooper is like ten points better, and like among players who have played at least thirty games, you can tell I looked this up earlier. But like, baseball just cannot get out of its own damn way. We're learning now about the baseball, about the grip changes in minor league baseball, the 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 MLB sanctioned sticky stuff. They're changing that, and it's it's just it's hard, man. And I and I just haven't really found my groove. Maybe now that my life situation has changed a little bit, I can find a way to enjoy baseball a little bit more. Maybe all sports a little bit more. But we're sitting here on June 10th, and you're asking me that question. No, I can't say that like I've had a real positive experience with with Major League Baseball so far. It, and some of it's my some of it's my package, but a lot of it is I just I don't have a product to enjoy. I really don't. So my answer is like yes, I, I actually have the opposite answer to you, Samuel. However, I, I think the reason for yes is I've I've learned to let go a little bit. And I, I'm not nearly as like fanatical about it. I'm I'm kind of watching it on my own terms. And I think to your point, it helps that I'm a Mets fan and they're they're having a great year and they're they're a lot of fun. Um they added some fun players, no, most noticeably Sterling Marte, but I, I think they're they're just like, like kind of a fun, like happy, vibey sort of team. Uh winning helps that. But I think some of what it is, I'm I'm just sort of I'm still annoyed by all the things you're talking about and, and I'm validating it. Like it did gets to me but i'm just sort of not letting some things get to me like you know what the, the two things that i think get to me the most or that bother me a lot for example uh like extra innings and and the ghost runner or the extra runner 
I almost don't watch X ratings anymore. I just turn the game off. I'm like, all right, the game's over. Like it, it's a tie. <laughs> it was a gonna, tie. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to watch. And I, I've missed a couple of exciting finishes, but for the most part, I think it's a good decision. And then the other thing that bothers me is, you know, people nitpicking like the strike zone on Twitter. I've made a couple jokes about it, but it's like, uh, you know what? I, people are going to do that. Like, I'm just not going to let it bother me. And I think as a result, like I'm, there are aspects of the game that I'm, I'm just still enjoying. Like I, I enjoy the, the rawness of the game itself. Like I, I still like watching like a rally. I still like watching a, a you know, a reliever come in and, and have a good game. Like there, there's enough that I still love about the game that I'm not letting that stuff get to me as much as I used to let it get to me, which is, which isn't to say that it, like, shit like that doesn't piss me off, whether it's, you know, Jazz Chisholm or, you know, Josh Donaldson and that, that incident with Tim Anderson. Um, but I, I, I still, despite all that, I can still enjoy the game. And, and to get back to the point I was making before, I think some of what helps is that I now have a community on Twitter where there's a bunch of really smart people like talking about it and writing about it. And, you know, I know, there, there's complaints about living in a bubble, but I don't even see the opposite side of it. You know, the person's like, oh, Josh Donaldson was right. Or what are you talking about? Or, you know, like, you know, somebody like defending the old school nonsense as far as jazz goes. And, and that helps. Mm-hmm. Can, can I actually I want to add on to your point, Mike, because we've debated the ghost runner on here before. And I'm not here to litigate it again. I think we've all just kind of agreed to disagree, which is fine. We're adults. We can do that. But I'm kind of when you mentioned the strike zone complaining, it kind of reminded me of the ghost runner complaining. Because if you don't like it, that's fine. Like I'm not here to litigate your opinions. Like if you don't like it, hey man, free country, brother. Like do what you want to do. But like there is a very big group on Twitter that like every time the ghost runner comes on, they just bitch and moan and complain, and that kills some of the some of it for me. Because like okay, if you don't like it, again, totally cool, man. But like it is a drag whenever that well, that group comes on. I, like, I think you well, I think you nailed it, which is I, I don't want to be that person. I, I tweeted very early in the year. I, I said something like this. I don't know if you remember. I said I dislike the ghost runner, but I'm done talking about it. I'm not gonna I didn't say this, but it was essentially what you're saying, which is I'm not gonna be that person. Yeah, I'm don't be that spend, guy. Man. I'm not gonna spend all this time on Twitter complaining, yelling at the cloud about something that me yelling about it isn't going to go away. Like I can't press a button and make it go away. So it's like, whatever. It, it's sort of the same thing with, with the automated strike zones. I, there, there's a clever thing in my mind, at least that I, I almost tweeted. And I, I didn't cause I don't want to get into a whole thing where it's like, well, look, if umpires are the cops, the, the people with these strike zone pictures constantly posting them are internal affairs. Like they're, they're also cops. Like they're, they're just cops in a, a different way. And they also kind of suck. They just, they, they, they suck in the way that people investigating the cops suck. But but the, the point being is that I don't want to complain about either thing. Um, what, did you have a question, though, about the strike zone, Samuel, or did, did you just want to bring it back to the... No, I just kind of... When you said that, it made me think of it, because, like, there are legitimate things to get mad about. Like, and admittedly, I got really mad online this year about the Rangers, once again, not having a pride night. One of the many ones, like, the, I think it's, like, eight teams. Yeah, it's, like, that, six that or eight teams or something like that, yeah. And and I like some weirdo got me and like was like, well, you know, it's business. Ask Disney how going woke it's going. And, I, and instead of just, just telling him to fuck himself and go, which is what I should have done, mm-hmm. um, I, I I laid out this entire argument and but it just it drove me bonkers because like these are the things that I 
if you're going to complain about something, these are the things to complain about, not the ghost runner. Cause that might not ever change, but like social pressures and things like that to, to change. Like, Hey, instead of like one of the 19,000 university nights, let's give one of these to, to a marginalized community instead of the literal, like four nights for law enforcement, give one of those to a marginalized community. Yeah. Like it's not that effing hard. And well, I appreciate that the team that I work for, does this is in fact I, that their next game is going to be a pride game. I'm very pleased yeah. with that, but I, I come on. Well, some, something that that is something that drives me nuts about the whole, you know, don't politicize this argument. And I, I like that you use the word community is that I, I don't see a pride night as politics. I, I see a pride night as, you know, letting part of the community have a night, you know, just, just like if you're having like in New York, for example, there, there's often a Puerto Rican night because there's a big Puerto Rican, you know, part of the community in New York city. So it makes sense to do that. I, I, I don't see it as politics and it, it's that that's where I get annoyed. It's like, well, on the other hand, to your point, like if you have, I swear every, every Mets game I ever go to there, there's stuff about the military. That's politics. I mean, that, that's yeah. that's really, you know, as political as you can get. You can say, okay, these people are part of the community. If you're going to say that, fine. But that's really what we're litigating well, here is whether yeah. people who are gay should be part of the community. And I think all of us obviously believe yes. And and to the point about, you know, the politics being on both sides, um, I saw several people tweet, I think it was today when uh, MLB released their um, just absolutely atrocious, hideous Fourth uh, of July caps. Oh, sweet Jesus! Those? those are awful. Just, <laughs> yeah. just abysmal. I mean, it's like just that. Vomit. Yeah, it's like if you could distill that, um, you know, that meme of sort of Trumpers and everyone in the kind of the mirrored wraparound sunglasses. You know, all the white dudes, like, um, you know, in the the tiled pictures, like. 20 of them just staring like if that meme could be a cap right that's mm -hmm. that's what it would look like and i think uh i think you guys probably both follow um pat ellington uh on twitter but you know who's who writes about like um you know sort of the african diaspora and um you know he's saying yeah i think one of those caps just called me a slur um but uh the point i was going to get is of course there was a kerfluffle about the the Rays uh, pitchers who, you know, did not wear the the pride caps and, oh, it's just a choice and it's my choice. And it's and, and the easy flip side is, OK, well, how about if a player decided, you know, said, I don't want to wear these, um, you know, these sort of ultra patriotic or military caps or when they have the camo caps, yeah. if someone said, I don't want to wear those because I don't believe, you know, I believe that, you know, the American military is an institution that supports imperialism and oppression around the world. Yeah. Like, how's that going to play? Like, it's just so silly I, to see yeah, one is I, one is politics and one is just, you what, know, kind of the ambient, yeah. um, you know, he hegemony that you need to follow. What one point that, you know, I, I don't know if you follow or, you know, he's still around. Remember, remember Bill Baer when he was with, um, you know, um, NBC. Well, it was Roto World back then, or yeah. now it's like NBC. So he I will has, not call it NBC Sports Edge. Yeah. So, so Bill has his own like Substack now, and he he wrote about the Rays, you know, incident. And the one point he made, which I I really agree with, you know, Bill's a really smart writer. He said, well, honestly, like making the players wear the patches or the caps or whatever is kind of pointless because 
if they don't believe it, they don't believe it. And, you know, it just creates a situation. Of course, Bill's point was to the larger, you know, many of the larger issues about how MLB could be better and how while, you know, Pride Night's good, there's like so much more they could do. And, you know, he went on and on. So I did kind of see that point of like, well, yes, everybody should wear the cap or should want to willingly wear the cap. But like turning it into a situation where you tell these players like, you know, you have to do it or, you know, we're suspending you for, you know, X amount of time because you didn't do it probably isn't right either. Like I, I want their attitudes to change. It's just not, no, probably no, not no. the way to go about it. Well, yeah, no. And I agree with that. And I think that, you know, that the problem is that I think a lot of MLB organizations see having a pride cap or a pride logo on the pitcher's mound see those things as the end point of their yes. efforts to and and really they're just like the most minimal well, symbolic thing well, you can do they don't actually affect well, any kind of material lot, change or inclusion well a lot a lot of it whether it's it's pride or you know whether it's like you know jackie robinson day a, a lot yes. of what Absolutely. Baseball and, and society. It isn't really just baseball because baseball mirrors society. It, it's the look at me, right? It's look at us, look at the thing we're doing. And, you know, meanwhile, you look at society at large and you're like, well, like maybe you should stop contributing money to, you know, the politicians that are supporting all this evil shit. You know, it hurts these communities that you're, you're championing. Right. You say you're championing. Hell, the, the, you know, the team that I follow, I mean, they, their owner, contributes the most to, uh, you know, Republican um, causes and organizations among any of the 30 owners in baseball. And yet the Giants are supposed to be this very inclusive, you know, they're supposed, their politics are supposed to be good. You know, Gabe Kapler says the right things about not standing for the anthem, whatever. But, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, the Giants are giving a shit ton of money to to horrible people and and you know really horrible causes and um and the warriors might actually win this game sorry what's, what what's what's where's the series at this is how like out so of i am the celtics are up two one so this is game four and all, all i heard about was how awful celtics fans are which is like well oh, <laughs> yeah, okay uh, that's that's true <laughs> but that's not really news <laughs> and then another news the sun came up in the east um, yeah, so if the Warriors win, so this is pretty pivotal because if they can hold on, then it's 2 2 and going back to um, the Bay Area. So, um, I, I, I do enjoy it, like when, when fa- like people discover like that Celtics fans are, are bad or they, that they, you know, some of them are bad. I'm like, are, are you new here? Like, I, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I, I get it, like, I, I understand it, but and, and they are like truly the worst ones are a special kind of awful, but it's like, are really like you you didn't know this like I, I i don't understand and especially like for for players that have been in the league for years it's like well you you go there it's like you've never been speaking of so left turn here hard left um when we were talking about tv shows did you you watched i think i think you did you watched winning time right i i did yeah, it's not that Samuel, much of a Samuel, hard turn, given that it's, we're talking about basketball. Yeah, well, we're circling back to the TV show discussion and then the basketball. Samuel, did you watch Winning Time? I did not. It's on my list, but I never quite got there. Okay, I I, I really liked it. I found it I, really I, enjoyable. I did, I did too. Like, I didn't think it was perfect, and it definitely had you know had all of the um, 
the Adam McKay bits. Like it's definitely had his fingerprints all over it. I yeah, don't, the, I don't the, love all those things, but I think the, he, the first know, episode it, in particular had too much McKay and was was yeah. kind of go- goofy in that way. But I think once he was a little more hands off, it, it yeah, got and other people directed it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I I just thought it was like I, I thought it hit the right tone. Well, and the I also was pretty good. Yeah, I also think you had to know what you were coming in for like the biggest complaint i've heard is that it wasn't realistic right they fiddled with the game and that they messed with the facts and well you know so so it was funny because to me like i the things i get annoyed by like there there was one thing in the show where like they take a big road trip right the three games yeah so that that's like all wrong and not as a lot of order it's like the wrong teams like that was the thing that kind of annoyed me where i'm like well i i get why you're doing some things for dramatic effect but like the fact that the game was in india you know in indianapolis or indiana versus milwaukee or whatever it was like that has zero effect on the narrative like i don't understand why you even like threw this in there like it just seems dumb And, and also like i guess what i minded more was that they actually played with the um, the details of that Lakers-Celtics game, right? In, yes, they, in yes, they, and yes, I thought, they you did. Know, people are going to remember that game. Like, I actually went back on YouTube and and watched, you know, some of the game, yeah. watched the broadcast. And it was, like, later in the season, and it wasn't as close. It was, like, it was a week or two. I think it was, like, a week or two after Christmas. It yeah, wasn't it was Christmas, sometime in January. Like that. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's, I don't know. Did you really need to do that? Like, what what have you gained? What, well, it's a thing. What? It didn't really add much drama no. to it. Like, it, it didn't. And that, that's part of it, too. Like, that's such a great season and a great story to begin with that it, yeah, it didn't. And it, now, on the other hand, you know, Michael Chiklis as Red Orbach was was inspired casting. Like, he, he was, he was yeah. great. Yeah, he was great. That was part of the thing about that show is there were so many nice little touches where you're like, man, like they, they just really nailed like the feel. Again, this goes back to my nostalgia thing for all, man, for all mankind. Like they, they nailed the feel of the era, like the opening mm-hmm. credit. The opening credit crawl is, is just perfect. I did um, not skip the opening credits. Yeah, I, I did not. <laughs> I did not either. Yeah, it, it just they just nailed. There's just a lot of stuff that they they nailed in in that show. Yeah, and you know, and being from California, I mean, I didn't get to Southern California till like '86, but you know, I was a pretty big basketball fan in the '80s, and um, and yeah, I, I it definitely took me back in a lot of of really fun ways, like that. Yeah, it was it was pretty enjoyable. I mean, I remember, I remember watching that you know Indiana State Michigan State title game. Like that was a big deal. That was that was like that was huge. Yep. Yeah. Well, I I think the thing about that show too, and again in the first episode they they kind of oversell some of this stuff, but like the NBA really was dying. Like like and I, I'm always fascinated because right now people talk about how baseball is dying, but not just in terms of people not being interested in the sport, but in terms of financially, like the NBA was on its last legs. Like the, there was a lot of talk of like, well, this sport's not really going to last or, you know, it, it's going to have to contract and it's going to have to be, you know, a, a vanity league for like maybe a handful of rich owners. And yeah, Ma- magic and, and bird, like save they really did save the sport. I, I you know, I, I think Jordan yeah. took it to another, jo- yeah, and- another level. I'm, I'm, you know, not discounting that. And as we've gone along, you know, again, this is Samuel's difference between baseball and, and basketball. Like baseball has this great 
awesome young star in Jazzism, who I I love, and I'm I'm so happy he's successful. And baseball sucks a bit. Not only sucks about promoting him, but can't get out of out of its way about like this whole thing. Like seriously, somebody should should take you know whether in the somebody in MLB's front offices in a better world would take aside people on the Marlins say, look, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Whereas bat- basketball is just really good about not doing that. And I think that's something that winning time captures too with magic, right? It sort of captures the idea that at the time, like basketball was, was this pretty racist sport and run by these, these racist people, you know, and bus kind of recognizes like, yeah, I, I know that, but I also know that if we're going to get to where we need to get to, like, we need to promote magic. Like we need to promote this, this mm-hmm. dynamic young player and you know, make him a star not only on the court but like in you know off the court as well. Yeah, you know what baseball sure. needs? I figured I figured it out. I thought about this last night. I think I know what Major League Baseball needs. It's minor league baseball, and I'm I've, we've talked about like my admittedly I love minor league baseball, so this is a bias. But did y'all see the genius promotion that was on Twitter last night from a minor league team? I don't think so. All right, let me. Yeah, it should be in my. Yeah, mention. I didn't see it. Let me put it near. Well, I'll put it in our group chat right quick because it's one of the most genius concepts I've ever seen in my life. I'll put it in our, on our in our group chat here. Here we go. This is from the Inland Empire 66ers, who's the low A for the Angels. Tell me before I explain to the listener that that's not the greatest goddamn thing you've ever seen in your life. Pulling it up now. Suspense is what I'm going to leave in here. <laughs> I mean, tell me that's not the greatest thing you've never seen uh, from a from a baseball team as a promotional idea. Let's see. Is there a reference I'm missing? No, no, is that's it not just, is it is is it all? Is it just that simple? This, yes, it's that simple. <laughs> two hot do- so so two hot dogs on a bun. Yes, they're they're going to do double dog nights at an Empire Inland Empire game in the future, where it's the simplest question. You go into a meeting, what's better than one hot dog? <laughs> what's better than one great thing? Two great, two two great, great things. things. It's so damn simple. It's so easy, and it's so freaking genius. You cannot and convince it, me that that's not genius. By the way, speaking of twos, the series is tied at two games apiece. See, twos, always a good thing. Yeah. Except in basketball, um, where it really should be threes. But regardless, like, can you tell me the person that came up with double hot dogs can't figure out how to market jazz chism? Because if they can figure out double hot dogs, which is so damn simple, they can figure out how to market this great game full of young talent. For Christ's sakes, you've got Shohei Otani plays in your league. Mike Trout plays in your league. Jazz Chisholm plays in your league. Well, I mean, Jazz Chisholm, Francisco Lindor, Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna, you know, Vlad. Um, there's just, you know, there's there's, there's so much. I, there's so many fun players right now. Yes, and there's know? more coming. There's more coming in the minors. Like, imagine when Jack Leiter gets here. That's going to be real cool. Imagine when, like, Corbin Carroll gets here. That's going to be real neat. Like, if Jason Dominguez, the alien, ever makes it, my God, there should be a whole extraterrestrial campaign based around that dude. Like, there's so much talent. There's so many personalities in this league. But nobody, nobody with a shred of give a fuck works in the MLB front office in the marketing department 
Like well, there's some good stuff in the local teams. I think, like there's I think, some smart I, people. Well, I I think that baseball, major league baseball, just cares about money, and as long as they're the money machine is rolling. I, I don't think all the bad PR matters that much. I don't want to say it doesn't matter at all, but I don't think it matters that much. And it, and I suspect that, you know, maybe if I'm being generous, there's, um, well, this is hard to say, especially given the, the Jazz Chisholm story, but like that a lot of this kind of um, unwillingness to, to promote um, you know, star young stars, many, if not most of whom are, you know, Latino or uh, black players, um, that it's just it's just this like passive kind of ambient. We like things how they are and, you know, how they are happens to be sort of white and, and well, you know, sort of this orient towards this kind of white middle aged yeah. middle class well, sensibility. Um, and there's just, you know, there's just no real, it would take this active push away from, you know, the, the, the way baseball has been for decades to actually begin to, to craft a new identity and, and a new brand that, you know, that could sort of go toe to toe or sort of take like the NBA model, um, but apparently like their ambitions are like, look, we, it's, you know, we're, we're trying to be like golf. We're trying to be PGA. That's our demographic. Yeah, I, I I think the problem though is that you you can see like that when that jazz story broke, I'm, I'm like, oh my god, that this is just the you know gatekeeping that yeah. is based on this antebellum like white idea. I won't it even, is. It's and I'm not. I won't to even say use the word. Not... I, I know you're not saying. I, I'm just saying like that. I, I think the problem is that for so many fans, like that's what they see. And they just tune out. They're just like, well, whatever. Like, I, you, you, you're telling me this thing that's fun. Like, I shouldn't enjoy it. Like, right? What, what the hell? Like, and I, I don't care. I don't care what a player wears on and off the field. Like, like I remember when I was a kid, like reading about how players used to have to dress like they had to wear ties when they traveled. The fucking Yankees still make their players shave their facial hair. Right. In the but year remember, of our Lord 2022. But I, but I remember reading that and thinking, like, even as a kid, like, who gives a fuck? Like, what, why is this such an important thing? Like, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Like, it, it matters to this, like, person. And it matters to the person in power because it makes them feel like they have more power. That's why it matters. And that's why a lot of this stuff is important is because, like, whether it's it's this, you know, whether it's, you know, having to go to an office when I don't really need to go to an office. Like a, a lot of this stuff is that I, I, I'm not going to the office right now, by the way. I'm just talking in, in general. Like th that's really what a lot of this comes down to is it makes people who you know are in power feel like they have more of it. Yeah. Or or that they're not losing it. Yes. That, that's, Which I'm, I think is maybe even yeah. more to the point, right? That it's, yeah. That's a good that's a good way of putting it, too. Yeah. And when you look at like the hiring cycle in baseball, like, and we, I think we actually talked about this on a previous show when we were talking about how to fix baseball. And like, we were talking about the lack of innovation in the game. It's because the, it's the monochrome hiring. It's the monolith, the front offices, and even to an extent in the, in the dugout, like look at who's at the center of this, Don Mattingly, 
lifetime MLB white guy. Like he has been like, I, I think <laughs> that's probably the best professional white guy, professional <laughs> Caucasian. Yes. That has been his job <laughs> since he started MLB. Like that's what he is. And I'm, you know what? Maybe he's the nicest guy on the earth. I've never met Don Mattingly. I mean, but as long as baseball continues to enable folks like him, well, that's probably what you're going to see look like because I'm sure when Don Mattingly came up in the league, I mean, he played for the Yankees, so like we know that was a yeah. thing that happened. But I'm sure he well, came up in that same exact culture of like, hey, you know, show respect to the game, team, blah, 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 all this other gatekeeping nonsense that we use to hold down players that primarily aren't white. Like we we almost never see this applied to a player with no melanin in their skin. We just don't like it. Find me the, if there's an example of it out there, please show it to me because I'll back off then. There's rare, there's very rare examples. And usually it's happened to happened to Bryce Harper a little bit at the beginning of his career, not nearly to the same degree. And, and that's the whole, you're not nearly the star that Mickey Mantle was kind of thing, which is different, Mm -hmm. but there's a little bit of it, but yes, it's vastly, it is for players of color. Yes. And, you know, thinking about like the Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson thing, um, you know, there there were a few. And I, I mean, actually, I, you know, I don't know how this played in the clubhouses. I mean, I'm sure there were players who were like, yeah, we're with we're with Josh. Although on the it seems like the word is that, you know, pretty much everywhere Donaldson's gone, you know, nobody wants to people, say put people, just on it, he's, people just think he's a tool, which he, he kind of clearly is. But I think it's the mass of players and, you know, coaches and front office people who just don't say anything, who just kind of let it pass or who just say, well, Josh is fiery. You know, we it's, he shouldn't have said that, but but uh, we'll not call it out for what it is. We'll not name it as racism. And, you know, like that's that's just this kind of passive um, reproduction, you know, of, of the, yeah. the, the existing power structure. And I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's like turning, turning the battleship around, um, for something like baseball where it's persisted for so long. Yeah. I, I mean, then, then though you, you have, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, the, the whole, you know, Trevor Bauer thing where we were surprised that, you know, major league baseball did what they did. Right. And yeah, you know, I, I, every once in a while they, they, and I mean, don't get me wrong. It was obvious to me. And I also think that, you know, they, they pretty much hold all the cars like, Hey, look, if you really want to fight this, we're just going to release, you know, what, what came out of this investigation. And, and if you want that fine, but I don't think you want that. Right. Um, so, so the point being is that I, I think baseball has the capability to do the right thing. I think with this, it's a little bit tougher because it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the Rays and Pride Night, which is, well, I wish those players had done the right thing. I don't think suspending them for three or four games or whatever is going to do anything except, you know, next time play, everyone will wear the cap. But it's just not going to create, I think, what we're really hoping for which is a situation where people are truly, like, welcomed. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um you know, and in the current sort of political cultural moment, there's almost no way to to get it around um, a kind of count. Yeah, you know, there's there's nothing there's there's nothing that isn't divisive. 
um, culturally speaking. Well, like. I mean, for, and, for crying out loud, I, I you know, I, not to go back to this for the umpteenth time, but like you know, getting vaccinated. Are we going to talk about vaccines again? Yeah, I was just gonna, I was, was going to mention a sentence like, you know, getting vaccinated became a political thing like that. that really. Yeah, exactly. And, and for that's kind of when it up. became clear to me is like, uh, you know, you could almost see it like this, this slow motion train wreck because in the early days of the pandemic or going up to like the end of 2020, when there were, there were, it was clear there was going to be a vaccine sometime in the next like six, 12 months. And for, for a moment, I thought, well, this, this will end it like this, you know, yeah, this, this is, this is not something that can be politicized. This is fucking and, great. Like who, who could be right. unhappy about this? Like, this is right. amazing. Like, yes. And the logic too is like, well, all the people who are whining about wearing masks, like, well, Great news, you don't have to wear masks anymore. And then you could just sort of see it. Like you could see the sort of, you know, the clips from Tucker Carlson or whatever. You could see the the tweets from the, you know, the the right um yeah. intelligentsia and cultural commentators. Well, and you're like, ah oh, shit, this is gonna happen. I, I guess I guess, the, I guess the, this again is like the the thing about like a lot of these political arguments at this point. And like we're we're at the I feel like we're at the precipice in some ways, because a lot of people like with, with so many issues, like the, the GOP is on the wrong side of the issue. And we don't, we, instead of having a robust party fighting them, we, we don't, which is, you know, part of the frustration no, to say, we don't, <laughs> but, but I, I think that we're at the tipping point of like, well, like this all could change pretty easily if our, you know, representative democracy worked the way it's supposed to work, because the, the arguments at this point are all being argued by, I'd say, fervently by, I'd say, like a quarter to a third of the country. And I think everybody else kind of looks at them like, even people who still vote Republican look at them like, eh. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't really like this, but I'm, I'm getting a nice tax break. Like, I, I yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, that is something that, um, you know, I kind of remind myself, like, most most people are not uh, are not crazy like that. There's well, or or there's an out or homophobes. Yeah, yeah. You well, can rattle most, off all this stuff. Like, you know, I I think most right. people. I think even most people who have voted for Republicans for years look at a Marjorie Taylor Greene and are like, yeah, I I I don't get it. Like even people who are Republicans are like, what what is my party? become and you you can argue well you know in some ways your party's been like that for a long time yada 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 but but the the larger point is i think people recognize that you know the the rot has you know has reached the foundation yeah yeah well um i don't know where we go after that yeah, uh, sorry you, you, sorry you want a score update on another game i can give you one i would uh baseball game uh no something even better USA five Grenada zero. Well, come on, like wow. that's 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 Nations League, baby. USA, I know. USA, America. I'm so that... gonna make some reference to invading Grenada back in the eighties, and but no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I think uh, American striker Jesus Ferreira is now the president of Grenada. As I've tweeted, he has four goals tonight against Grenada. Right, Are they right. even like playing the the starters? <laughs> It, who 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 is we who is they? The the U.S. Yes, team. they played their full lineup tonight. 
why? Uh, uh, to whoop that ass. That's why. Oh, to, to go, so to go into Austin a, and beat okay. that ass. And that's <laughs> okay. exactly what they did. Four from Jesus Ferreira, one from Paul Ariola. Uh, on a completely unrelated note, fcdallastickets.com. Come see your boy. Um, <laughs> plenty of good tickets available. Come see... Uh, Come see the great. Come technically, if we wanted to do this, the actual answer is FC Dallas five, uh, men's uh, Grenada zero. So you just you just reminded me of when you mentioned Grenada. You just reminded me of indirectly of the show Barry because of that Bill Hader <laughs> Bill Hader puppet sketch from SNL years ago where he's playing a disgruntled <laughs> veteran. And he makes a puppet that looks just like him. I don't know if either of you have yes. ever seen that. I'm not familiar no. with this. Oh my god, Barry's great. There's two. There, that, there's, that, yeah, I remember that. There's two. Thing. There's two. There's two sketches where, like, he he's talking and he's talking about like how he was in the shit in Grenada and you know how he killed or how his uh, I think it was Clark. His, uh, you know, platoon mate got killed because he wasn't quiet, and he just goes on and on in this deep, gravelly voice. And the puppet talks in a deep, gravelly voice too. <laughs> Actually, one of the funniest things about the sketch is uh, that there's other people with other puppets because it's like a workshop class. And Vanessa Bayer has like a puppet who's like, you know, OMG, LOL, shop to you drop. And so Bill Hader's puppet kisses Vanessa Bayer's puppet. And like talks all dirty to her while the puppet has a cigarette in its mouth. Outstanding. <laughs> I don't know how anybody who was involved in the, in the sketch didn't just start laughing and like fall out of character in the middle of it. Oh, hey, there's another pressing update I need. I actually, John, I specifically need you on this. Um, mm. So when we let we we've noted on this podcast and its spiritual predecessor that your son is very much a Pokemon person. Is this still mm. accurate? Has he grown out of Pokemon now that he loves soccer? Um, well, <laughs> uh, I would Is that me wish casting a little bit on soccer? I, yeah, yeah. He, he, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it while he was playing. Um, I would say that he is, he, he, he comes and goes with Pokemon. I don't think he's left it forever. He probably has a couple more cycles with it. So, so does he have an immediate reaction to the thing that myself and the internet are willing to give our lives for? And that is LeChonk. I, you know, I don't know if he knows about oh, LeChonk. He doesn't know about LeChonk. He's not on Twitter. Well, I figured, he, I figured he would see it somehow. I don't know. I, I can ask him. Yeah. Like, please ask him about LeChonk at your earliest convenience, because okay. even if it doesn't go on the podcast, I am just dying to know. If he likes this thing, is like, is I, I want to know, is LeChonk for the 11 year olds or is LeChonk for the 30 year olds? Like, we need to figure out who the the targeted audience is here. He probably does. I'm sure he actually does because he and his friends talk. So I will get a, I will get a, a response and, and, uh, and let you know post haste. Outstanding. Um, this is very good news. So there was, there was this, this, uh, story I was going to tell you guys. And, I don't know if you remember a couple weeks ago, I put it in the chat. That oh I yeah. You did say something. Podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're actually kind of close to the end. So this is a perfect okay. way to end story time. with John Well, th this, this might, I don't know if you want to keep it in, but, um, so this is a story involving one of the weirdest coincidences that I've ever been a part of. So, okay. So as you both know, uh, I was in California a couple weeks ago to visit my sister who just had major surgery and she's recovering well. 
and um, <clears throat> I was hanging out with my, okay, another backstory thing on my sister. She was um, divorced about three years ago, and she's been seeing this this guy for about a year now, and I hadn't met him yet, so I was going to meet him for the first time. We were at her house watching the Warriors-Mavericks playoff game, and he was going to come over and watch the game with us. Um, so we, it was my brother, um, my sister, and I think my niece might've been there. Um, but it was basically my brother, my sister and me watching this game. And a couple weeks before, um, my brother had, okay. So another bit of backstory here, <laughs> this is going to get confusing. When I was, so my, I'm nine years older than my brother. And so when I was like 15 and he was about six, I was the assistant coach of his soccer team. And the head coach was this college woman named Maria. And um, she was really good, really good coach. Um, won't lie, might have had a tiny little crush on her. Um, you know, she was, she was kind of had that uh, 80s, athlete vibe and she was probably about 19 or 20 so there was no you know it was just uh it was there was nothing realistic and i was a dumb 15 year old but anyway so we'd always kind of remembered that you know he remembered um her being the coach and i remembered you know sort of we so we both sort of remembered her and um he's still friends with another player on the team and another so that that friend alex sent a photo the team photo from that soccer team um, in 1983. Okay, so there's, I'm in the photo, my little brother's in the photo, and the coach Maria's in the photo. All right, so we're watching the Warriors Mavericks game, and my brother suddenly says, he sees Spencer Dinwiddie on the screen. He's like, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, like just the way he kind of carries himself reminds me of one of the kids on the soccer team. And so I'm like, which, which kid? And he said the kid's name. And I'm like, oh, well, we have that photo that Alex just sent us. So let's look at it and see, you know, uh, just kind of compare. I'm like, yeah, I can see it. Even though this kid was like six or seven, he just kind of had a, a Spencer Dinwiddie vibe about him. And we started talking about uh, the coach, Maria, and... My sister's like, wait a minute. So another piece of the backstory here is that her new boyfriend is a widower. Um, and he lost his wife about five or six years ago to cancer. And so um, she's like, let me see that photo. And she looks at it and she's like, I think that might be um, this guy that she's dating his name is kevin i think that might be kevin's wife we're like wait what he's like yeah his wife was named maria and this is random this is like you know this happened they live in the sacramento area now this was all in like sunnyvale san jose area you know 40 years ago and she looks at the photo and she's like i think that might be her it's like do you remember her her last name and i said i know it was something italian and she says, was it, uh, and she mentioned the last name. And I'm like, 
oh my god that's i'm like 90 percent sure that that is her name and so she's like hold on so she goes on facebook and pulls up a picture a photo of maria who you know had passed away sadly and it's her so what we what we discovered is that the soccer coach that my brother had had in 1983 that i had worked with as the assistant coach had been you know eventually got married to a man and then you know passed away and then her her husband several years later started dating my sister and holy crap wow here's the here's the kicker um we're discovering this and kevin her boyfriend is like on his way to the house and we're like well wait do i mean do and i had never met him so this is very Uh oh and so we're like hey kev how's it doing (laughs) well do we tell him and she's like no, I think I think he'll be really touched by it. Like I think he he would, you know, really like it. So he gets there and I meet him. Very nice guy, very tall, very tall man. Um, but just very chill, very friendly. Um and so after the initial chit-chat is over, my sister's like, okay, so sit down because we've got something to tell you. And, you know, he he explains all this. Uh, or she explains all this and, you know, we should, we, we show him the photo from the team, the, the soccer team, the team photo and which he had never seen because this was like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years before he actually met her. And he's, you know, he's just like dumbstruck. Like I, I, I felt a little bad for him, but also I could tell he was really kind of moved by it, uh, that there was this weird sort of circle this, this, you know, that fate had almost, I mean, if you believed in such things, you could sort of imagine that, you know, there was something um, beyond reason at work here. And, uh, and so, yeah, and then he, he corroborated everything. He's like, yeah, you know, when I met her, she talked about how she used to coach, you know, youth soccer, she played in college, and, uh, you know, and then they had this life. They had four daughters, and you know, she passed away. And then several years later, he's in a serious relationship with, with my sister. Um, so, there you go. Wow, that's incredible. Isn't that's it wild? Quite, that's quite the story. Um, it's very hard to tell because there's like background elements, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, well, I, I thought it was worth the buildup. So I'm also just curious why you felt the, the, the need to tell us that Ke- this gentleman, Kevin, is very tall several times. Like what what like how tall are we talking here? <laughs> like that's a detail that stood out. You're like, he's very tall. You're you're, you're speaking at the board, but he's very tall. He's a very tall was, man. I think he was six, seven. Damn. Um, six, six or six, seven. Yeah. And he, he played basketball. Like he uh, clearly knew. Um, he's a big sports fan. He's from Wisconsin, so he's a big Bucks fan and Packers fan. Um, but when we were watching the game, he was, you know, he he had he had played, I think, in high school, and he had um, family. Like I think his brother-in-law played in in the NBA, um, but he knew basketball pretty well. And 
uh, yeah, but but um, um, it is crazy. <laughs> that, okay, follow up here. Was it awkward before you let him in on this? Like, are you all just sitting around passing the chips, watching the game, <laughs> just kind of looking at each other, like? Kind of. Who's, I mean, the, who's going to be the, the one to say it? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I knew my sister would be the one because I had just met him, and you know, my brother had met him several times, but it was clearly her, her ball to run with, and so it was only maybe like ten minutes after he got there, and and when he got there, it was you know sort of the pleasantries of me meeting him the first time, and then just kind of like, oh, how's the game going? It was like, you know, it was like third quarter of the game, and the Warriors were kind of comfortably ahead. And so just a little chit chat about basketball and then a little pause and then, okay, sit down. We've got something to tell you. Yeah. There's uh, the segue possibilities here all seem very treacherous <laughs> on a certain level. Like, man, the Mavericks sure look dead out there. Hey, speaking <laughs> of, as long as we're here, <laughs> oh, like no. it just feels like there's a lot of landmines yeah. here that you had yeah, to navigate you, as you're driving you, your Humvee. You are not well, giving the eulogy at my funeral, Samuel, based on that segue. <laughs> I think I would well, be the perfect person to do your eulogy, actually, if we're being the, honest. The thing is, is that he was expecting, like, because I think my brother kind of took the baton and 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 started talking about, like, oh, yeah, I saw Spencer Dinwiddie. In the, and I think he was thinking that this was going to be some basketball related, you know, coincidence. Oh, Jesus, you know, oh, this guy's going to talk about the basketball yeah, things like, oh, with we, me. We ran into Spencer Dinwiddie or we ran into somebody at a bar and we didn't know if it was, but, uh, it, it took this left turn. And I think that's where he was like, wait a minute, what, what is happening? Um, and so, yeah, it was. And then he, he, the next day was my nephew's graduation from, uh, middle school and so we had a little brunch at my sister's place afterwards and and he came and he brought um one of his daughters who um lived lived with him and she was like i think she was she's in her early 20s and and, uh, and she looked exactly like her mom it was very uncanny and he had told her about the whole thing and she was just blown away like she was just like this is so cool you know because there wasn't any of the i mean i think for him there was a very complicated thing right and i think for her it was you know and of course she missed her mom but i think for her it was really like this is the most amazing coincidence in the world um but yeah it was it was a wild one gotta say just also love the fact that of all the nba players that are involved in this in some way <laughs> it's spencer dinwiddie one of the most random uh, first off 80 grade name right there just in general and like just Spencer Dinwiddie being the catalyst here. I yeah. just, I, I love, I love every aspect of this. I love that the fact that you need to tell him he so, was tall, that Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> is involved in this in, in some tertiary way. I now want to call Mavericks PR and see if I can get you and Spencer Dinwiddie together to tell this story now, get you involved so, in this. Cause that's something that's not impossible. I need to tell you this. It's not an impossible feat. <laughs> it's so random. Do it. I don't know that it would sell, but, um, if if this makes it uh, into the podcast, like, oh, it is, it is. I, I could I could um, you know pretty much guarantee that um, my brother, uh, hello Michael, will will listen to it. Um, I think he listens most of the time. I don't know if he always makes it to the end, but if he listens to this, then he can fill in. You know, because I'm sure I've I've 
missed a detail or I've I've botched something in the story, but you know, I'm sure he would be happy to to chime in. Um so also yeah. Michael, if you're listening at this point, I need to ask Michael a favor. Okay. For the love of God, Michael, please stop sending the Flags Fly Forever Patreon money. You're the only one that does it. Please unsubscribe from the Patreon. Oh my God. I know this because I still get the flags emails. I'm not taking off the email list for some reason. Mike, maybe you can fix that for me. I think you, you might have a connection there that could work with that. But Okay. Like, I get an email every month that Michael Heglin has sent $2 and something to the Patreon. And I'm just like, he's the only one. He he he's is like, the Lone Ranger. It's like he's I like Steve. It. He's like Steve Martin, the jerk. Right, the yes, and we haven't updated it. In, it has not been updated in months, to my knowledge. Look, I've I've got to say that, and and my brother will not get mad at me for saying this because he knows it's true. That is very on brand for him to send. It's like if you want to send me money, just send me money. I find that quite endearing. Given given that you know my my most recent interaction with my brother was him being in the states and you know proudly not being vaccinated and you know being a fucking jerk about it. So I'll take his money too. I don't care. Yeah, he won't send it. No, no. I I will give Michael my cash app if he wants to just send me the two dollars a month instead. I will distribute it as I see fit. But it's every month. It's the only one, and it's like Michael. It's like right on time. Michael Heglin. Since the yeah, I'm just like man, I, and I can't. I have no way to tell him to stop. So I'm telling him to stop now. I mean, I'm a little surprised because he keeps, you know, he keeps close watch on his his finances. I mean, he's much better about it than I am. Where I have random debits from my, you know, bank account every month, and I'm like, I don't quite know what that's for. But you're a currency hurricane. You're just like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. Got yeah. enough to make it. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, yes. Please. So, Michael, stop, if you're listening, if you really want to send this podcast money or a podcast money, I will give you a direct line to my bank account, and yeah. we will like it, I'll I'll even send it to charity. I won't even keep it. How about that? Like, we'll do if you just have to send a podcast money that involves your brother, though technically Flags has not done that in a while. We will set something up just for you. I promise. I <laughs> promise. But I'm just begging you. Check All your right, Patreon the, subscriptions. The, the gauntlet is thrown down. Please uh, don't increase it. Don't send me more emails about it. Like that—that that feels like the natural reaction to, to increase your donation and send me more. No, 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 no. Please do not, not do that. Do that. <laughs> I guarantee you, he's not going to do that. In fact, but, I may uh, just tag him when the episode comes out and be like, "Please listen to the end of this episode, just to assure that." Probably, the, yeah. Yeah, he probably follows you, but yeah, you should definitely tag him. Uh, it's just—I think it's just Michael Hagland. Uh, let's see. Does he follow me? He does not, which is probably he smart. He probably, like, okay. like he probably, I mean, like he might now just because he's going to yell at me for him sending money through Patreon, which I probably deserve because I'm airing his business in, in, in a pseudo public, but you know, and, yes. and he would, he would be, I'm sure he would be happy to, to come on the podcast sometime and, you know, tell you both why he's, he continues to, pay two dollars and 37 cents my dms Patreon. are open if he wants to explain it <laughs> and, i'm curious and I'm, not to, mad. Uh, I'm not mad at it i'm just really curious yeah he, he would gladly fill in the uh the missing pieces of the the maria story too so like he's just telling he's he's sending the patreon the equivalent of a soft drink a month at this point like it just <laughs> well there you go so like <laughs> go buy a coke or something if whoever has control of the flags fly uh patreon there's like 
20 Cokes in there. Go have fun. Thank you.